And I'm writer David Pepos from Spencer and Locke, and you're listening to Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast. People talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have the master of disaster, Josh45. What's up? And CBS. Hi. Thanks for joining us. Uh, see, today we're going to be doing episode number 159. And the books we're going to be going over will be uh, Radiant Black number one from uh, Image Comics. And then uh, Future State Superman Worlds of War, the uh, first part of the story, the Superman part. Uh, we'll follow that up with uh, X-Men Legends number one, which is a bigger Marvel book. And then I'll wrap everything up with the uh, Midnighter Future State, which is like the third story, second or third story in the Superman uh, Worlds of War. It's kind of like we've been doing the last couple episodes. Uh, before we get the books, Josh, got any news over there? It's not like crazy week this week. No, not really, man. Well, I found a couple pieces that might be interesting to people. One of these you might really like, actually. So, uh, DC made an announcement this last week that they're going to be doing two different series. One of them is Batman 89, and the other one is Superman number Superman 78. So, Batman 89 follows the Tim Burton multiverse of the Tim Burton movies forward. Uh, it's going to be written by uh, Sam Hamm, and uh, Joe Quinos is the guy doing the art for it. So, the idea is it follows the second movie moving forward. And apparently they're going to try to use the art to be similar to the way the movies were costume-wise and look of character-wise, which makes sense. Um, Superman 78 is going to follow the Christopher Reeves movies, like the Richard Donner stuff. Same kind of idea. Uh, it's being written by Robert Venditti, who's good. And uh, Wilfredo Torres is doing the art, also good. Same Steve's, just different character and time frame. Um, so it's going to start out originally as a digital first, so... They're saying it's going to launch um, with the first six digital chapters in uh, July, and then following the next six chapters, one per week, till all 12 chapters are released. After that, they're going to put it into regular print. So kind of like what they did with the Batman animated series fairly recently, regular print's going to be just 12 issues total. So the digital chapters are like half a book. So... That's a little... I mean, I've never really dealt with the digital side of stuff, but I guess that's how they did the animated Batman series, too. So when it finishes up, we're going to get the uh, six-part series for both. And uh, they're saying it's going to start coming out in the individual issues, August through October. And then, of course, follow up with like a hardcover and probably softcover. So cool, because it's going to be in print. Neat, because this idea is like an old idea. Because there's talk, I don't know, gosh, like maybe ten years ago about this same concept. Just it got shut down and kiboshed. So, cool is coming back around. Cool is like the Tim Burton universe, so that should be interesting to see what they do with it. So I think that's pretty neat. But all that stuff's going to happen middle, well, towards the end of the year. Because like the first release, print-wise, isn't going to be till August. So if you're a digital comic person, well, I guess you lay up on everybody else. But as far as a thing, I guess depending on how they do, we may see more material like this. I mean, that's kind of what they were doing with the Batman Animated. They did the... uh eight print issues, and then, like, 16 online chapters. And they were all pretty well received. I mean, they were cool. I don't know if that's going to lead to anything else, but that's pretty neat. 
And I think both those uh, styles of franchise would be cool to see some more of, you know? Kind of like when they did the uh, the Batman uh, 60, or Batman 66 series, and then when they did the uh, Wonder Woman 78 afterwards. So similar concepts just apply to a, uh, I guess, more modern version of the movies, the characters. So I don't think that's cool. I mean, we need to be like, see, like, in, at least in printed form, like some sort of like, I mean, like show Riddler, Two Face, or anything like, like you know, like the the Billy the Billy D version, the Carl Weathers. Oh version, yeah, that'd not be Carl Weathers, uh, Billy D Williams, right? Yeah, Billy D version of like Two Face. Yeah, like just in printed form, because like, they 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 set up a lot of neat things, and then it just went went way different. You know, what I mean, just like they they changed, but right. Well, franchise wise, it moved, and I guess they're saying that. It's a possibility we get the uh, Marlon Wayans Robin during these stories, too. So I guess we'll see if it goes that far. But as a thing, I mean, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of pieces that were set in place for a third movie. And then just franchise-wise, it went a different direction, different director, obviously different tone. And then it just never happened. So, yeah, Billy D. Williams, Two-Face, I think it'll be really cool. I mean, we kind of got one in the, in the Batman Lego movie. We did get that version of him for, I don't know five scenes or something as a Lego piece. That's pretty cool. Um, Department of Truth is in the works for a TV series, so that image comic book that we did a review of for maybe five episodes ago. Um, is it currently in the product, uh, currently in the process of being built up to be a series of uh, the sisters production company has acquired both the rights to a TV series version and a movie series version. So I guess there's a script that, uh, at least at this point has been, started by Tinian, so same to do the rights of series, and there's another writer working on it too. So I guess we'll see if that winds up coming to fruition. I mean, that's pretty cool that I think issue 5 comes out next month. Issue 1's gone the third print, and 2, 3, and 4, I think, all went the second print. So it's popular. And it's like, it's kind of a neat idea. I could easily see it turn into something. So I guess, I mean, I guess we'll see. That's really cool. Um, only other piece I really had, Tom McFarlane at the, uh, Comics Pro um, meeting made an announcement that uh, he's going to be starting a Spawn universe, which I kind of thought Image already was, but I mean, I guess not all the books happen in the same universe, so I guess that's not really a thing. But uh, he's planning to do a multi-character interconnected comic book verse centered around Spawn. Um, so the first book is supposed to come out in June, and it's going to be Spawn Universe. And then the second title, that's a new title, will be King Spawn, that starts in August. And all that time, regular Spawn's supposed to be running as well. So, universe, at least from what the couple images they showed, appear to be different versions of Spawn. How? Don't know. Um, it's pretty new in material, so... There's a cool-looking Lady Spawn. What she's supposed to be, or how she connects. I mean, it's only a matter of time before we figure that out, I guess. But, if you're a Spawn fan, a whole lot of Spawn stuff coming towards the middle of summer. So that should be, uh... It would be cool, if nothing else, just to see the different versions of Spawn. So I guess we'll see what that really is, but kind of exciting, I guess, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Not a big Spawn fan, so I'm like, you you don't got me on that. Right. I've seen uh, J. Scott Campbell's mock-ups, like, drawings of the covers and stuff, but I'm like, eh, whatever. They look cool, but he's always, he's, he's, his covers always just, look cool. I just don't like Spawn. Right. It's never my jam. Even at the very beginning, when it, like, there's people who are just like, oh my gosh, Spawn's amazing, and other people are like, I was always the eh. Not a big fan. Never have been. <laughs> right. I just don't. I mean, what it is what it is. I just don't. I've never was. I've never been a big fan. So. Sure. 
Well, I mean, they started, when Image first started, there were so many different, like, avenues and paths, so it just depended on what you were, like, more a fan of, I guess, and, like, there were so many cool things that happened at the beginning. I mean, Wildcats was freaking awesome. And, like, I mean, Shadowhawk was alright when it first started, then over time it kind of fizzled out a little bit. But, like, as far as Shadowhawk was good, Youngblood was good, oh, Savage yeah. Dragon was good. Yeah. Like, I liked a lot of it, I just, I just spawned as, like, one of the ones I was like, mm. Right. Yeah, different different characters, different boats, whatever. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that started when they first launched, and, like, as a thing, I mean, Spawn, Spawn and Savage Dragon have both managed to endure. Now, the Wildcats, I think, probably would have had Jim not moved over to DC, but the only two that are still running from their issue ones is Spawn and Savage Dragon. I don't know how many people read Savage Dragon, but it's still going, and that's awesome. So, I mean, you gotta give those guys credit with that, but as a thing, yeah... I, when the spawn first started, I probably I don't know. I mean, I collected it for a while, and I did I did like it, but I was a pretty big fan of his Spider Man with the whole Wolverine team up when he did uh the Spider Man ninety two series. So I just followed from there. I, other than that, I didn't know anything else about like Todd as a dude because back then I didn't really pay attention to artists. I just paid attention to what I liked to read. I didn't know people's names back then, not really. Anyway, but yeah. So I mean, if you're a spawn fan, be a lot more flavors. If you haven't really done spawn ever. At least it'll be two new series to try to get into, so you don't have to try to chase 300 books or whatever. And since the multiverse is a very new idea, I'd say it'd be a good place to try to get in, probably. If nothing else, from the different flavors of characters. So, that should be cool. Well, that's kind of all I really had. I mean, WandaVision's still kicking it. It's got a couple more episodes left. Crazy things happening, which awesome. They announced a Quicksilver pop, or a Pietro Maximoff pop. Looking like the WandaVision show. At this point, they're saying it's a Funko exclusive, so it's hard to say if it's going to be direct through their website or if it's going to be one that they do to the rest of the world or not. But it looked pretty cool, so if you dig that guy doing that, then it's a cool-looking pop. Anyhow, um, I think that's all I have for news. So I guess we move into books? Yeah, man. All right. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. Um, let's see, so the first book we're going to go through is uh, Radiant Black. This is from Image Comics. Uh, it's written by Kyle Higgins, and the art on it is by uh, Marcelo Costa. Uh, Becky, Becky Cloonan's also credited, but she did uh, one of the variant covers, so she's uh, she's mixed in the book, too, and she did, uh, she did the, I think, the B cover? Anyway, um, as far as the thing, when we first open up, we are looking at a cell phone hanging on a sticky cup on the inside of a windshield of a car, and... Uh, we're having a conversation through the phone with uh, with what we find out as a banker, and the uh, the image we get is a checking account that has forty six dollars as current balance, and a uh, credit due as uh, thirty eight thousand four hundred and eighty six dollars, being the current negative balance, uh, which is really really bad news. That's a lot of money owed. We pull back from there. We see that the fellow who's our, who's our main character in the book, he's uh, he's having a conversation with the bank about trying to get a loan to try to fix part of his debts. And as he's talking to the person on the phone, he talks to him about, oh, yeah, he's got a book that he's working on, and as a writer, he just fell behind, and his, his agent tells him that there's definitely a sell on this book, and just as soon as he finishes it, it'll fix the problem, and he just needs a little extension to try to keep things moving forward. And, of course, the person on the phone tells him that there's nothing they can do for him, and at this point, their hands are tied. He's so far in debt, there's not anything they can do to help him, which it makes perfect sense. That's a lot of, that's a crazy amount of money. Um, we also find out that he's in L.A., and uh, 
as he's uh, on the phone, he starts to sort of break down, and uh, at first he plays it off all like, oh, it's not that big a deal, it's all fine. And then once he gets off the phone with the uh, the bank teller, or agent, he uh, he kind of breaks down and starts crying, till about that time, a fellow opens the back door and sits into the car and says, um, sorry, I was running late, um, uh, do you need a minute? He's like, oh, no, no, he wipes his eyes, and he's like, oh, it's all fine. And uh, then a lady steps in the other side. We find out that he is currently an Uber driver. And so what he is currently doing is picking up folks um, to shuttle them to and from places. And uh, we can see that he's, uh, personality-wise, he's he's not, not a happy camper. I mean, obviously, whatever he's been doing has not worked out well. So, uh, yeah. But kind of funny, because the situation is like, well, he was on the bank call while waiting on these people to show up for a ride. So I mean I, I mean it's kind of funny. It's not like it's not like hilarious, but it's kind of depressing actually. Anyhow, um, from there we flash to the next page, and it's a giant title page. Like think like a movie scenario where you get to the credit where they flash the title up. Of course, it says "Radiant Black." Uh, then we cut from there. Next scene we see we are in uh, Lockport, Illinois, and it's one week later, and uh, we have our same guy getting carrying a b- couple boxes, walking up to an older couple. And uh, we quickly find out there's mom and dad, and mom's super happy to have him home, and dad's, well, I mean, he's dad, so he's kind of ambivalent about the whole situation. And she tells him, oh, it's okay, don't don't worry, you don't have to, you know, just stay here to get back on your feet. And his dad kind of shines him on with the idea of him having moved to L.A. to be a writer and f- failing. And uh, he's like, well, I, I didn't really fail, I just, you know, I fell behind and... The dad's like, yeah, yeah, that's all right, you know, do what you need to do. But you can see dad's not, like, super happy for him to be home at this point, and mom is overly happy. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> while that's going on, uh, we hear a friend of his walk up from behind, we get a shot of the dude, he's wearing, like, a leather jacket and a t-shirt, and it's currently lightly snowing in the scene, so it, it's it's winter time. And uh, we find out our main guy's, his, our main character's name is Nathan, Nathan, we, we learned his name, like, back whenever the fella first showed up for the Uber. Because he opens the door and he's like, uh, the guy asks him, questioning Nathan? He's like, oh, I can get another car if you need more time, which is part of where the funny part is. Anyway, so Nathan's our main character, and, like, we, we wind up having his buddy show up, and his friend's, like, super happy he's back in town. He's like, ah, oh, dude, it's going to be great. You don't understand how big the town's gotten since you left? Like, all the time you're gone, like, a bunch of cool things showed up here. And it's going to be great. And he, then the friend asked the mom, is it okay if I take him out for drinks tonight? You know, it's going to be kind of late. Is that going to be all right? And Nathan tells him, ah, you don't have to ask for permission. And of course, mom's like, oh, yeah, no, no, it should be free. It should be awesome. You guys should have fun. And uh, basically gives her a seal of endorsement to him to really go out with his friend. And his friend's, like, super stoked. And he's like, yeah, we're totally going out to the bar, dude. It's going to be awesome. And first, Nathan's a little reluctant. He's like, Marshall, I, you know, maybe we shouldn't. He's like, no, no, dude, you got to come out with me tonight. It's going to be great to have you back in town. And so we cut from there to later that evening, and uh, Nathan is uh, at the bar with Marshall, and they're both talking about his credit card debt, and he's informed Marshall of his uh, $38,000 debt. And, of course, Marshall's flabbergasted about it, and he's like, oh my god, man, Like it's like you were trying. It, that's the craziest amount, it's an insane amount of credit debt. Like, wh- what was going wrong? And Nathan, like, tells him, oh, we just, you know, things got all rocky, and, you know, I just gotta move past it once I get this book done, and take some time to finish it, and he's like, well, maybe I can help you with your book, and you know how we always want to do that action film back when we were in high school? Maybe I can help you write that, and we'll get things going. And of course, Nathan kind of plays him off like, yeah, dude, no. 
And he's like, it's a million dollar idea, man. Of course, Nathan's still not very happy with the idea of his friend, like, even knowing he's got a problem. And initially, like, the two of them sort of get in an argument for a second, where, uh, the friend feels that Nathan's, like, kind of pushing him off, like, he's a joke or something. And he's like, man, just because you're out in Hollywood, like, obviously that didn't work so well. He's like, then Nathan sort of breaks down, and he, he confesses that the initial story that his agent wanted to try to sell was one of his first short stories that he pitched to the guy. And since then, it's been five years, and he has not gotten the story done. And his agent still believes there's a foothold for it, but his agent is not really his agent anymore. So, uh, after those first batch of short stories and his first batch of paychecks, he dried up, idea-wise. And he's just been living on his credit cards, hence the crazy amount of debt. And he's, his friend Marshall tells him, well, can't, what, have, what do your parents think about it? And Marshall finds out that Dad doesn't know, neither does Mom. So the only one who knows he's in debt is now Marshall and him, and of course the bank. And uh, he's like, I can't tell my dad. I can't admit that I fell that way. And Of course, Marshall's like, well, man, nothing else. You can get a job here in town. Like I said, there's a lot of cool things here in town now that didn't used to be here. We can figure out a way to try to get you back and try to help you, you know? So we cut a little bit later in the evening, and they're both leaving the bar, and Marshall's completely drunk, and he's leaning on Nathan as they walk through the street. And uh, eventually get to his car, and he's like, well, man, we got to come up with an idea, something something I can try to help you with. And Nathan says, well, man, I, I just got to buckle down and do this myself. Like, I can't, you know, I don't, I can't have you help me. And uh, Nathan says, well, or no, Marshall says, well, I just got one more question, man. What is that? And he points across the road, and we see this crazy black, like, circle void thing with a crazy ring around it glowing in the middle of the railroad tracks. And Nathan says, um, I don't know, maybe it's like a light for the train. He goes, okay, so you can see that too? I guess we're heading one step in the right direction, because it means it's really there. Because Marshall thought he was just seeing things. And the two of them walk over to it, and they sort of start examining it, and it's free-floating in the air, just randomly. And uh, Nathan reaches out and grabs it. Right before that, Marshall says, it looks like it's a black hole just in the middle of nowhere. And after Nathan touches it, all of a sudden it shoots like into him and lightning starts swirling around his body all crazy. You think like Power Rangers transformation style, man. That's just what's going on. And the image itself, like the little ball itself kind of lands on his chest and sucks into him. And next thing you know, there's this giant bolt of lightning just surrounds him. And as this is all happening, of course, Marshall freaks out. And uh, when it all stops, we have Nathan now standing there in this black and white uniform with the circle emblem on his chest and a crazy like Almost like, almost like a motorcycle helmet, but no, like, top to it. And he's completely covered in it. And, uh, he starts freaking out a little bit. And, uh, they wind up getting out, the, like, Marshall winds up getting out his phone so he can show him what he looks like. He's like, dude, you look really cool. And he's like, no, this isn't cool at all. I, I, I can't understand what's going on. And so Marshall, like, shows him what he looks like inside the, uh, suit. And uh, as he's holding Marshall's phone, like, Marshall taps him on the head like you would do a glass tank for the mess with the fish. He's like, can you feel that, dude? Can you feel anything in there? He's like, yeah, I mean, I can feel it. Goes, what are you doing? Stop it. And then he's like, oh, man, I'm going to be sick. And next thing you know, Nathan's bending over completely, like, puking. But he's puking out the front of the mask where there is no hole, as if a hole disappeared there so he could throw up. Because the whole thing is sealed. And Marshall makes notice of that, and he's like, oh, dude, you throwing up in the mask? Hang on, you're throwing up directly out of the mask? How is that even possible? And about then, we get a couple of deputies roll up. So two police officers, 
who are both asking the guys if they're okay, because there's two dudes out near the tracks causing all kinds of commotion. And, uh, of course, Marshall responds in a negative type, uh, why are you harassing us? He pulls it, he takes his phone, he starts aiming at the cops. You're going to leave us alone. We haven't done anything wrong. And the police are like, dude, you guys just need to get off the railroad tracks. Like, it's dangerous where you're at. And then one of the other officers says, um, is your friend in a costume? He goes like, what's your business? What business is he using in a costume? And of course, then the officers get a little more stern with him. He's like, you guys got to get off the railroad tracks. Like, it's, it's late at night and the train comes through. And so, like, it turns into this whole, like, sort of argument with the cops. Like, Marshall's arguing with them. And Nathan's like, dude, we just need to go. We just need to go. And he's still in full costume. Like, no, nothing's changed. And about that time, we start seeing the train coming. And, um, Marshall's decided to make it a standoff with the police so that if they don't leave, he's not getting off the tracks. Idiot drunk style, you know. Anyhow, the train gets closer and closer and closer. And, uh, Nathan sort of freaks out, grabs and pushes Marshall out of the way. And next thing you know, he's got everybody wrapped up in blue, like, light and floating. So the two officers are floating. The train is floating. And the van that was nearby is floating. The police car is floating. The only things that aren't floating is Marshall, who he pushed out of the way of the train. And Nathan himself, who's also enveloped in the blue light. And, of course, the cops are freaking out. And, uh, he's like, dude, did you do that? How, how'd you do that? He's like, I have no idea. I don't know. We gotta get out of here. And so, like... Marshall looks up at the police officer and he's like, are you guys going to do anything if he lets you go? And the officer's like, um, we got to... The other cop says, dude, no, just let him go. How do you write this up anyway? Just let him go. This is crazy. So <laughs> Nathan puts him down, grabs Marshall, and he, they fly off together. Like, he, him carrying him very, like, Lois Laney. you think, like, Superman carrying Lois Lane when they're flying. And the two cops get set down on their feet. And the train gets put down, back down on the tracks. And both the cops are like, that was crazy. So we cut a little bit later. And now we have Nathan and Marshall up on top of like a grain silo. So like, I'll think of Batman factory style. And uh, Nathan's trying to figure out how to get the helmet off. And he just can't. And Marshall's like, this is the coolest thing ever, man. How many powers do you have? What can you do? This is the craziest thing. This is the awesomest thing. Because he's, he's super stoked that his friend's got this crazy power suit. And uh, Nathan's like, no, nah, dude, we just need to figure out how I can get out of this. Like, I have no idea. And he's like, well, how'd you do the thing with the train? He's like, I don't know. I just thought, I just thought it, and it happened. He's like, well, then you need to calm down, dude. Calm down and breathe. Calm down and breathe and think about the helmet coming off. And so he sort of does that. And sure enough, the helmet opens up and resolves down to just a neck. Like a neck, I guess, where your, where your neckline would be. So the helmet itself goes away. And, uh, they both kind of breathe a sigh of relief for a second, and, uh, Marshall still thinks it's the coolest thing ever, and Nathan's like, man, I, this is, I, I can't, like, if I'm gonna do this, I gotta not screw it up. Like, I screw up everything, man. Like, I screwed up my career in, in LA, I screwed up being home. If I do this, I can't screw it up. And he's like, dude, I got you, I'll help you. So Marshall and him both decide that they're gonna try to work together to make his superhero or his super suit work in a way that he doesn't fail at being a super. And uh, there's kind of a lot of, there's a lot of dialogue in there, actually, that's super paraphrased, so you get a lot more bang, conversation-wise, than what my explanation was just now. Sorry about that. Um, but they basically decide that the two of them working together and trying to make this thing work as a, uh, as a, uh, I don't know, as a, as a step forward in the world. 
And Nathan tells, or Marshall tells Nathan, like, dude, you're the, I've never seen anything like this ever. You're literally the only one in the world like you. That's amazing. And we cut from there to Chicago. In Chicago, we have a different tone to the picture, of course. We see this giant explosion kind of happen, and then we see a dude walking out, well, his boots first, walking out of what appears to be the side of a bank. And then we get a pullback in this cool shot of a dude who looks exactly like Nathan did in the costume, except instead of the white and bl- light white and black, his is red and black. And he's carrying two bags full of money, with money just blowing in the wind. Um, and that's where our book wraps, with the reveal of the uh, crazy other, um, I guess, radiant black or radiant... I guess he's radiant red, because they do say that on there. So clearly we met the bad guy um, in our scenario. And uh, power-wise, it looks like he has exactly the same powers, except that maybe he knows how to use them. I mean, clearly he's robbing a bank, and it doesn't look like it's the first time. But yeah, as far as the story, I mean, it's pretty fun. I mean, it's got a lot of dialogue in it, so like we get a lot more story-wise than what my explanation was. Art's pretty good. I mean, it's it's got a fun look to it. and I mean, the costume, is it's not like a, an unheard-of kind of story. I mean, as far as like a good guy meets bad guy kind of scenario... It's got some shazam stuff going on in it with the whole style of story. But it was pretty cool. I mean, Kyle Higgins is a decent writer. And the dialogue flow is pretty good. Um, so yeah, it, I don't know. As far as the score, I mean, I give it a, I give it, give it a three. I mean, it's pretty entertaining, like I said. The costume I like. The covers I liked a lot. Um, the A cover has this cool, like, shot of him flying up. And the B cover is like a crazy kind of, like, classic poster splash. So, like, the covers are really cool. I'm interested to see what the next book does. I mean... At this point, we met the guy. We met the good guy. We met the bad guy, and the good guy has a sidekick that's his buddy. So, like, I, I dig that scenario. But yeah, uh, so I give it three. Um, Josh, you know anything about the radiant black? Um, I wonder if there's going to be other colors. I kind of think there might, because like this first one, up until the last page when we see the red one, like it doesn't seem like it seems pretty random. But clearly, Red's been around for at least a minute because the dude's using his powers. Or he just, like, or he just figured out that like I got superpowers, then he goes and robs a bank. Maybe I mean, I mean, I mean very, that could be the same thing. Yeah, know? it's very possible that all these show both of them showed up the same night. But yeah, I think it's a good possibility we get more colors than just the two, because if it's only two, that's kind of I don't know, that's a little short sighted maybe. But but it's supposed to be black, not blue, because it's called radiant black, right? Well, the the color scheme between the two, the only difference is the red when the white switch places. So, like, the title of the book being Radiant Black, I guess maybe the white's the reverse of it? I don't know. Like, that titling is kind of weird since this costume has both colors, but it's not a horrible title by any means. But yeah, the other one, the only difference is the color swap is red. Yeah, I mean... The red does look more sinister. Well, we'll just have to see. I don't know, man. It's an interesting one. It could, again, like, every time we do an indie, I repeat myself. I do the same thing as, like, it... It comes off as a really cool book, but then, like, you get two or three issues in, then it just kind of fizzles out. Like, yeah, I never I, thought, really know. I, I was a big fan of the art. The cover is cool. Like, it's kind of like, I know, like, I mean, I, I give it a two and a half. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm always, I'm split in it just because I, I would like to see it keep going. Sure. Direction, but we'll see how it goes. Right. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see where it, what it does. Whether it, if it does spawn more colors, I think that's cool. Just because it'd be kind of neat to see, like, other swatches and if they're, like, how that works. Yeah, I guess we'll, we'll have to wait to see what number two does, and then from there, maybe we'll have a better opinion. Right on. Uh, we'll move on to the uh, Superman Worlds of War, number one from old DC Comics, the uh, Future State. 
Josh, you want to tell me a story about Superman? Well, I'll do the first one. There's four stories in this, and this is part of the future state thing where it's just like everything's different. It's like massively in the future, like kind of an Elseworld style, blah, blah. Right, right. Um, we'll just do the Superman part for the... So, so we'll we, do the Superman that will follow yeah, the Midnighter so there's a, later. Yeah, so there's a Carcan story, a Midnighter story, a Black Racer story, and a Mr. Miracle story. So um, as we do this, I'll do the first one, which is Carcan slash Superman. And um, it is written by Philip Kennedy Johnson and drawn by um, Michael Janin, or Miguel Janin. Um, so this book picks up, and it's like the city limits of Smallville. And it says Krypton, or Smallville, um, home of the Fighting Crows, two-time district football champions, and also Krypton, home of Superman, population 45,000. Which, I mean, kind of for small, t- small Kansas town is kind of a lot. So, I mean, I wonder if people move there because of things, but like, in this scene, it's like all dusty and deserty and kind of weird. And, um, a bus pulls up. A girl gets off and it's just all Superman, like, hey, learn to play Yulin, a real Kryptonian instrument. Um, meet. This thing, Superman Tours, or, you know, all these different things, like. It's very theme park styles. I think, like, Disneyland when uh, you first it's get out. Very, it's very, it's very, like, uh, swap meet style, like, very, like, not even, it's not. There's a bunch of vendors selling Superman flavored things, so I think Maps to the Stars, like, Hollywood style. Like, swap meet, right? Yeah. So, like, it's not, it's not, it's not Disneyland because it's not a theme park. It's, it's, it's a, a town that a bunch of people are just selling stuff on the street. It's like a farmer's market, which is all Superman stuff. Um, so anyway, um, Somebody's like, hey, hey, girly, are, are you here for the alien altar, too? And, uh, all the, all the dollaters and some ladies like, some, you want a necklace made of stones from the, the, from Rocket Field? And, like, basically the field that, like, Superman crashed in. And telescope from tonight's meteor shower. Um, and she just is, like, walking through all the stuff and, uh, Goes to this build up and release of pressure is perceived is like you hear somebody talking about is gonna talk the explosion that propels the speeding bullet. Like they're basically like somebody's reading words that were Clark Kent's, like out of his journal or whatever. Well, come to find out later on in the story, like that they're basically his term papers from when he was in high school, right? Just literally like him being a high school kid, like just reading his term papers, and uh, she's like. She's she's looking for somebody, but the, these people keep talking, and so she's just like, ah, it's crazy. So she just keeps walking, keeps walking, and uh, she just keeps walking through fields and things. She sees like a lit up Superman symbol, and she finds a group of people, and she says, "This looks like the place." And this is this is the place. Pull up some grass. Like, hey, welcome. Where'd you come from? She's like, Gotham, but I was from Metropolis before. And they're like, "There's a lot of us from Metropolis. A lot of Metropolis refugees here. We're so glad you came." Terry's just getting started, and so it's a older woman with white hair. And she's like, thanks for coming, everyone. I know what he meant to all of you because I know what he meant to me. Um, each of us here tonight was once saved by Superman. We've come to this place on the night of the Parside Meteor Shower to remember him, to pay tribute, to hear each other's stories in hopes of knowing him better. And she goes, Alex, would you like to start off? And it's a, a blonde-haired girl with short hair, and she's like, sure. Hi, everyone. I'm Alex. I'm from Kansas City. And But the day Superman saved me, I was in Jerusalem. 
And she says, I saw the vest just before she detonated it. I remember thinking it's too late. She got us. We're way too close. But then it went off. And it wasn't close at all. It, it, it must have been a mile above us. My entire family was with me that day. We all would have died if it wasn't for Superman. Literally all of us. But we never even saw him. And then another kid says, I'm Donnie. And I was from Metropolis before Superman's son, you know, did what he did. My family's still there. And, and if you're curious, like, either go back and listen to the episode we talked about that, but if that's from Superman of Metropolis number one. Right. Previous episode we talked about some Superman um, stuff. But the day Superman saved me, I was a little kid in Queensland Bridge, right when Magog hit it. Um, my dad's car overturned and we got thrown out and everyone was running and we couldn't find each other. I got knocked off the bridge, but Superman flew in and caught me. He did most of, he did most of the fight with me under his arm. It's weird, but I don't remember the fight at all. I just, what I remember is him talking to me for a really long time after. He had this really calm, quiet voice. He kept me from freaking out while he looked for my dad. I'll never forget it. Then another guy says, my name's Chris. I used to do morning weather for traffic for WGBS. Metropolis flew over the city and chopper every morning. And then it shows a giant, like, star, but it's not star, but it's like an, uh, like an octopus looking star alien thing. And, uh, he's like, one morning the sky in front of us just ripped apart. There were these things pouring out and it, things that, you know, didn't even make sense. I mean, actual living nightmares, things that made me question my faith. Superman flew in and pushed them back across the breach, all of them. This guy closed up with him still on the other side. But two days later, he was back on the news again, like nothing ever even happened. I still think about that hole in that sky, especially now that he's gone. What if something like that happened again? But that time, he just didn't make it back. So Terry, the white-haired lady, says, That's a really interesting thought, Chris. Does anyone else ever think about where Superman might have gone? And somebody says, I don't. I think he's dead straight up. I'm sorry. I know nobody wants to believe that. I definitely don't. But do you really think Superman only fought stuff while the cameras are rolling? How many times a year did he face cosmic level threats we never even knew were there? One day somewhere in the galaxy, another hole opened in the sky and this thing that came through was just too big. He saved us again just like he always did. I mean, of course he did, right? But you can't always come back. Rest in peace, Superman. And then this time it's like, it's a scene of Superman fighting like a bunch of like zombie justice leaders. It's very blackest night. And then somebody says, I think he's dead too. But after what his boy did in Metropolis, I don't see how he could still be out there. He would have done something, right? In fact, without Superman around, I think Earth's days are numbered. As long as there are other Kryptonians out there, and there are. They were space travelers. No way were Superman and Supergirl the only survivors. Aside from those two, why do we think there's anything inherently good about Kryptonians? Because they're, str- they're stronger than us. What if the universe is full of displaced Kryptonian despots and tyrants looking for developing worlds like this one setting themselves up as god kings, seeding the cosmos with their DNA, overriding all, overriding all technology with, with Brainiac AI? I mean, I think what John Kent did to Metropolis is just the beginning. I think Earth is well on its way to getting remade in Krypton's image. Without a real Superman to stop it, the whole universe is headed for the Krypton era. And then she's at, like, the, the main lady asks Sadie, 
And I said, yeah, like, you look like you have something to say. And she said, well, um, I'm sorry, I guess none of this sounds right to me. I can't believe so many of you think he's dead. He only ever tried to give us his hope. Where's your hope? And some hipster kid's like, um, sorry to get what you're saying, obviously, but if he's not dead, where is he? And some, some other hipster kid goes, well, I'll tell you where he is, man. He's everywhere. I read that fully charged Superman's body held enough energy to run the world's power grid like 9,000 years, man. You just don't kill power like that, man. He didn't die. He ascended. Before he disappeared, he gave up his secret identity, right? I think after that, he gave up his whole identity. His name, his face, even his body, man. All attachment to physical matter of any kind. I think he took that final step, man. Became pure energy driven by will. A solar wind that blows down all the big bads before they have a chance to get big and bad. That's where he is now, man. He's the wind. He's the righteous wind. It doesn't matter where he is. He's put on earth behind him. Not that I blame him. Do any of you really think he has human, that he was human anyway? I mean, not earth human, but you know, like two arms and two legs, 46 chromosomes human. He was an alien from another galaxy. He was probably a shapeshifter, man. Hell, he's probably immortal. I bet he's done this a hundred times, maybe a hundred thousand times. Won a hundred thousand worlds. He came here, lived among us, built a life. And when there were no battles left to fight, he moved on. And now he's flying from system to system, galaxy to galaxy, bringing order to the intergalactic Wild West, one tyrant at a time, making a new life everywhere he touches down. An undying, evolving avatar of justice flying toward the very boundaries of every expanding universe. Avatar of justice? Why does everyone only remember him as a fighter? Superman was raised by farmers. He never wanted to fight. We are the ones he forced him to lit to live that life. We are the ones who can't stop killing each other. He left us because he was done with our wars. He's in isolation, I think. Making his works of peace. He's finding desolate old planets and moons cultivate to cultivate, making the universe a paradise as he waits for us to finish each other off. And when he's made his paradise and we're all gone, he'll come home to our yellow sun and fall into it, like a seed. And then a new super race of genetically super perfect and super altruistic super beings will fly out of it. And they'll make this planet what it have should have been all along. And then like the main the main character of this book says, you guys don't understand. And Terry goes, Sadie? He's like, you people seriously think he would abandon us? Or that he's some sort of god? Even in Smallville, people who knew him are selling fake kryptonite jewelry reading his high school chemistry papers like they're lost scripture. He wouldn't, he wouldn't want any of this. We didn't call him Superman because of what he can do. We called him Superman because who he is. He's us. He's the best of us. Truth, justice, and the American way. He taught us that those words could mean something. He taught us that we could strive to be. He's so much more than this powers. It wasn't his powers that made him super. And then somebody interrupts, the hipster kid interrupts and says, I'm actually, it was. Superman was the best because of his powers. Sorry. He didn't win because he told the truth all the time. And she, the young girl says, I made no mistake coming here. And they're like, well, well, don't, don't look, don't wait, just wait. And he's like, like, tell us, tell Superman I saved you. And she's like, Superman didn't save me. Clark Kent did. 
I'm like, and everybody's like, way to go, jerk. I'm like, what? He's, what? She's wrong. Superman was Superman because he was the strongest and fastest and most powerful always. And she just wanders off into the dark. The next scene is, she says, or the hipster kid's still saying, that's why he always won. And then the next scene is like, on a red planet arena, and a gate opens up, and some big thing is like, dragging a gigantic, like, steel concrete block cage thing. And uh, you can, somebody's talking inside of it. It says, what's your name? And the things, and the, the conversation is like, what? I'm like, what's your name? I'm like, hey, hey, Tisha. And then you see Mongol standing up saying, free them. And this thing swirls the cage around and throws it and it smashes open. And then Mongol says, see him, world, the great champion who once laid below a sire of Mongol, now old and feeble. Powerless, unworthy to wear a chain of War World. And it's Superman as Clark. And he's, it's just he's in gladiator gear with a shield and a sword and a chest plate that is very, uh, Kingdom Come and boots. But pretty much that's it. Like, just very Conan. Uh, see what remains of the Superman. And he says, Clark says, stay behind me. Aicha, you're going to make it home. And that's like him charging towards like three big alien things. And then the young girl again is back and it's, it's an echo of that battle and says, we're, we're both going to make it home. And she sees a star falling and she says, I remember you and I won't lose hope. And it says, next, the many deaths of Superman. Pretty cool. I mean, the art was fantastic. The idea that they turned like, Smallville, because you know after after Cal t- like says like I'm Clark Kent, like right. you 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 know you knew that that was going to happen. You get these these uh religious zealots that were just like oh I worship you, you're a god, and this and that. So like they're like pe- and people are going to make money off anything he possibly can. Uh, I'm curious to see her story and see like you know she says like like what the next step is for her. Well, she says Clark Kent's saying, so I'm curious to see what that has to say. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. As far as like like what her story actually was, I feel like this is a little girl we saw in a book maybe a couple of years ago. I couldn't remember what the character's name was, but they name her. So I'd have to go back and look at the books. But I kind of feel like this. She's from a story we saw before, before he revealed who he was. So like as a thing, I'm sure there's a story that connects. It'll be interesting to see if that's part of part two and we actually iron that out because like a couple of the stories when they were like the little boy on the bridge talking about Magog. There's a, a nomenclature on there to tell you where to look, like one of those little asterisk things. And, like, I remember Magog battling him on a bridge. I don't necessarily remember the boy, but the scenario is there. So, like, and the way he's fighting the zombies, or the Zombie Justice League, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be Black as Night. So, like, as a thing, like, I, I think a lot of those connect to actual stories that came out. I think they're just stories, man. I don't think there's, I mean, I mean, they might be slightly referencing something, but, like, I mean, Superman. There's a, there's a Black is Night Superman too. So there was it, at one point there was, but it was it was Earth Two Superman. So the one that came back from the dead that was resurrected as a zombie wasn't our Superman. It was Superman from Earth Two. So we had Superman fight Superman. There was a Black is Night version of him and the regular version. So it was a different universe. But yeah, what as a thing, like there's so many different Superman stories too, though. But, I mean, like, but again, gosh. comparatively to this, does it matter? No, you know what I mean it doesn't. Like. Trying to be like, who's this person? Who's this person? It's just like, 
It's just somebody like picking and choosing Superman stories. Oh yeah, no, I know, thought it was awesome. So far, of all the new, like the Future State stuff, like this is probably my favorite so far. It was pretty good. Like, yeah, I mean, like the thing is, Cal, regardless of his Superman powers, has always been Cal. Like his best friend is Batman. Like his, you know, like he he's just he's more than his powers. Like he's never like he hit he fought. Like, that's the thing I think that the girls trying to say is that like. I mean, I'm going to use my, my point of view on it is that like, he has so long had to think outside the box so that he didn't destroy someone with his powers because he is so powerful right. that he has become good mentally in his own right that he doesn't need those things. Like, yeah, like it would help in that arena at the end of this book to have superpowers. But on the other hand, he almost like he's still just a brilliant being. Like he's right. he can do those things without that. Like, Even without his powers, he's sticking up for the one that's weaker. That's the whole point of him shielding that the other person. He's gonna take the beating because he knows how to do it. And he, you know, and he, I mean, he he learned all these martial arts and things the same as Clark did, or, or uh, Bruce Bruce did, but he just learned them on such a fast level because he's. He, his brain works on such a powerful level, and so those still there, right? He didn't forget those things. So, like, he's he's still a brilliant warrior, regardless of his powers. So that's what's cool about Clark. And so, right? I like how in the uh, the whole like drum circle or the memory circle, we get both arguments. The arguments where people talk about the reason Superman is what he is versus the powers. Because the shortcut for people is always the powers. So, like that nerd guy who's like, no, 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 burn. Power stuff. It's like that's a real world argument. Awesome. Yeah, it's a hipster attitude. I've 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 dealt with people like multiple times. Like, like oh, Superman's just like he's blah 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 blah. Like, he just don't get Superman. Right. That's fine. Yeah. If you don't get him. That's cool. It's the exact example. Get your tattoos. Is. You're all your villains. You're like oh, the villains are where it's at, bro. You don't get me, man. <laughs> I'm not cool, bro. I'm like, okay. And I like when I read this, I just laughed because like I've met multiple people like those people in that circle. And it's just like, there's something special about Superman. That's why he's my favorite. And so that story is kind of one of those, one of the reasons why I love him is because he's, you know, they even like one of the people are like, well, you don't even understand the Kryptonians are just like, they're just doing this thing. You're like, well, but Superman is a Kryptonian. Right. Why didn't he do that? <laughs> right. Exactly. Cause he's a special, he's special. Right, he's a special being, you know. Like he knew he knows who his, his his biological parents were. He knows knows what happened to him, and he was raised by two farmers from Kansas, and he became this special person that just wanted to make the world a better place. Like it was never about like I want I'm going to make the world a better place for me, and like so for my ruling capabilities, it's like I can do this little thing. It's just like the one woman who's like, oh, I flew in and like. That he took the bomb off before he even knew, and then just went about his way. He didn't stop and come back and be like, "Hey, look at me! Look what I did!" He was just he did it, saved the day, and he was on his way. You know, right. just like it's just it's rad, you know. Like, and that's I think what's cool about Superman is like he doesn't want people to know what he did. He just wants to make people's lives better. It doesn't need the accolades of it. You got a score for that part of the book? Give it a four and a half, man. It was a really cool story. I would give it even higher. I was so impressed with it, like, and I. I wasn't sure about it because the other future state stuff that I really wanted to like, I was like a little disappointed in, 
But this one, I really, I was, so I was a little hesitant on this because this is proper cow. But like, and I was like, ah, we'll see. And I was like, I was pretty impressed. It's cool. Like, it, it didn't just start straight in with like the gladiator, like that kind of, it was just like, it was like another story. It was a, it was a cool, a neat story. And so I was very impressed, man. And the art was fantastic. The flow was really good. It was really neat. As a full book, we'll get to the other ones. Like, they all kind of go together. But uh, this one was really cool. So I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah. So I know this one. Is this a two or a three? It's a two-part. There's only two? Yep. So there's only one ratio of this particular story. So we'll see where it wraps up. At. The next one, I want to say, is out, I think, is next week, actually. So we're really close to it. Well, I'd echo you. The art is fantastic, and the story is really cool. Like, it's just... It, it's built in there in a way that we get to the action, but the action isn't the main part of the story. Like, it's the it's the rest of the way people were affected. And whether you're the hippie in the drum circle, or whether you're the nerd guy, or whether you were the, the boy that was just saved and taken care of by him to find his dad, like, all those stories are freaking awesome. So, like, I feel like it lines out really, really well. I, I enjoyed it a lot, actually. It was really good. I mean, I give it three and a half. Art is great. I mean, it'll be interesting to see the other shoe drop, but, I mean, it's the same team, so <laughs> the second half's got to be great. All right, well, after Shoot Man, we'll move into a little bit of X-Men action. Uh, this is uh, X-Men Legends number one from Marvel Comics. Takes It's the one that takes place after uh, X-Men from 1991, issue number 39 is where this is supposed to take place after. So, yeah, crazy idea. Um, it's being written by Fabian Nassiza, and the art interiors are by Brett Booth. Um, he did one of the covers also, but there's a whole handful of variants. Uh, anyway, so when we first start, we open up, and uh, we're in the middle of what looks like a battle happening, and we've got Eric the Red, which if you don't remember Eric the Red from the old school, like, X-Men days, he's basically due with crazy red armor, and his helmet looks like the devil, because he has horns like the devil. At one point, Cyclops actually took the persona of Eric the Red, too. I don't exactly remember when that happened, but it was a thing for a little while. Anyhow, uh, so Eric the Red is uh, down here with all the Crystal Claws, and he's, uh, he's attacking this group of police officers, which are defending this building. And he's, uh, as far as what he's here for, we don't really know at the very beginning. It just opens up with everything happening. And, like, a lot of these, uh, the Crystal Claw were, like, Shi'ar assassins, basically, is what they were. So they had crazy, like, cloaks and, uh, the metal armband stuff that the Shi'ar had, if you know what they look like, which you should, I guess. Anyway, so they overrun the police, and Eric Red tells, tells the, uh, Tells them all to tear them limb from limb. And uh, as they shred the building and shred people, and eventually they get inside. And uh, once they get inside, they, they come to a particular, one particular room with one particular lady inside of it. Uh, this, this this older woman who's getting an examination. And she's in there with an old man. And, of course, they kill both the doctors in the room. And Eric the Red walks in and he tells them, Ah, it's such a weak species. Tell them galactic fragments. Hmm. Philip Summers and Deborah Summers. Hmm. You're being collected. So he basically shows up with these people to capture the parent, the grandparents of uh, Havoc and Scott. So these are the Summer's grandparents. And we jump from there to both Scott and Cyclops in the process of battling a whole handful of these uh, red crystals, so the uh, Shi'ar assassin types. And uh, the two of them are, are fighting them, and as they, they talk between each other, there's a whole lot of like you know, old-school classic banter stuff. And we got a bunch of boxes that explain who these people are, like, gives Havoc's breakdown, gives Cyclops' breakdown. And as the two of them battling, they're both like, there's just so many of them. And he's like, man, Scott, I think we're going to have to go all out. 
And so Scott's like, all right, if you really want to. And the two of them unleash like their full power, destroying everything around them. Trees, forest, gra- grass, and all the attacking red crystals. Or red, red claw, red crystals? Red claws? Red claws, excuse me. And, uh, see, one of the things unique to Scott and, uh, Alex is they can both use their powers at full force on each other and it doesn't do anything. They're both immune to each other's powers, which is one of the Summers family, uh, traits of the two of them up until later in life were exclusive to them. So both of them just unleashing complete hellfire with his eyes and, and Havoc's, uh, rings doesn't affect either one of them. That's why it nukes everything except for them. Um, so we rejoin the two of them. Now they're at the mansion with Charles Xavier, and we have a whole batch of the uh, the other uh, Crystal's Claws being monitored by Professor X, and the two of them are talking, and we get a call in that something's happened, that, that their parents, that the grandparents have been kidnapped from the hospital. And so, of course, Scott freaks out, and he's like, we have to go, Alex. And so Professor X gives us a blessing for them to leave, and next thing we know, we cut to the hospital with a Blackbird jet out in front of it. And uh, both Havoc and Scott walk in. They're no longer in costume. They're dressed like normal. Scott's got his red Ray-Bans on, basically. And they get in there, and the, a deputy tells them that they left a note. There's this one card, but all it has on is crazy letters. I can't understand it. And so he gives it to Scott, and Scott looks at it, and of course he realizes what it is. It's uh, the language of the Shi'ar, and he's able to read it. And it's basically a ransom note telling them that they've taken the the grandparents, and they want something in return. And we go cut from there to this crazy, like, flashback that's happening, where we see one of the crystal claws having a child being born in, like, a, I don't know, a space kind of, I don't know, what would you call that? Like a space incubator, I guess? Is that what you think that would be, Josh? I don't know what else you'd call that. Yeah, some sort of, like... Because it's not, like, a normal, like, it's like being grown in a pod. So, like, think super science, I guess? Anyhow, um, we see the one red, red crystal breaks the baby out of the, of the uh, container and then basically steals it away. In the process of that, we see the name on the container, and it's Adam Nugel, which is N-U-G-L-E. And uh, he spirits the baby away, and from there we see him take the baby and raise the baby up and train him how to fight, train him how to be an assassin, train him how to use all these Shi'ar weapons, all these knives, and he's crazy accurate, and he's crazy amazing as a fighter. And so he just gets trained by this guy through his whole entire life. And then eventually, he hits a particular age, which would be in teenage years, and his mutant power kicks in. And that uh, causes a batch of the people that were in the same village as him to, to die. There's a whole lot of explanation going on through these panels. So it's there's a lot more reading and like explanation of what's happening. Kind of like old school 90s used to be a little, a little over the top a little bit. Um, but as a thing, once he gets his power under control, uh, we find out that he, from there, he had to take and go his own path once he figured out what he was. And, uh, the, from there we cut to present day out in the middle of like a corn farm. So we have all these haystocks up there and we see a adult Adam, which if you don't remember the name, it's understandable in the comics, like his superhero name was extreme. That's what he was called. Extreme was his hero name. So like Havoc and Cyclops, he was extreme. And he sits in the corner and he's got his baseball hat on backwards and his hair, crazy long, like, hair and mutton chops, so very 90s, like... And he's in the process of uh, sitting there meditating. And uh, while that's going on, 
he has an inner dialogue going on, and then uh, at one point he starts talking to somebody else in the cornfield, and we see that this little boy with a uh, long rifle has snuck up on him, telling him that, my dad says you got to get out of the cornfield. Like, you've been out here for two days. you got to get out of here. And he's like, why didn't your dad come out here to tell me that? And the boy's like, ah, I, don't, I don't know. And he's like, well, as a thing, if you're going to approach somebody, like, you need to be more sneaky. Because you never really know what's around you, and you got to pay more attention. And, like, he flips up onto his hand, does this crazy, like, cartwheel thing, and we see him throw one of his boomerang knives, and it goes right past the kid, and it hits this snake in the head that was right behind the kid. The snake had snuck up on him in the grass. It kills the snake, so he basically saved the kid from getting killed by the snake. And he uh, recalls the weapon to him, and while that is happening, all of a sudden it's enveloped in pink, kind of glowy energy, and we turn to reveal that... Here is Cable, and Cable is there, basically controlling the. Well, he took control of the web of the weapon using his telekinesis to keep it from going back to to Adam. And he tells him, "Yeah, yeah, kid, we're. Uh, I'm here to try to uh, help save you. There's been something crazy that's happened. It has to do with Eric the Red and you, and the Shi'ar. And so Cable's basically there trying to import knowledge onto him to warn him about this problem coming." And tell him that, you know, hey, I can only do so much, kid. Like, you gotta look out for yourself. And, and like, after him and Cable talk for a minute, basically Cable's there to give him the instructions that he was sent to find him to have him meet both Scott and Havoc at a hotel in town. So he basically tells him that they're good men and they want you to meet them. They're they're basically trying to seek him out. And he tells him where to go. And then he does this body slide by one and teleports himself away. And then from there we join... Adam now hitchhiking along the road, and, and while that's going on, we get some more, like, backstory from his, uh, first having his powers develop, so he's still, like, a young kid, intermixed between the scenes of him hitchhiking. And so, like, his, the mentor guy, the guy who trained him how to fight and everything, he's basically just, you know, giving well wishes and telling him, you know, like, as you grow, things will develop, and from there, we, when we cut to the next page, we find out these headlights we've been seeing for the past four panels sort of split, and one goes high and one goes low, which makes you wonder what's going on, and Adam also wonders what's going on. The very next thing we see is we've got two of the Star Jammers basically attack him, both riding on these crazy, like, hover bike things. And so we have Hepzibah, which is the, uh, I don't know, she's kind of a cat woman, like a furry-like feral and has a giant big tail. She's a Corsier's, I don't know, I guess his second command, really. And she's also done by, joined by the cyborg Zaza Longknife, which is the fellow that has the uh, bald head, the cool ponytail, and like one robot arm, and the other arm is, I don't know, it's a normal arm, but covered in like crazy gauntlet stuff. If you know the Star Jammers at all, both these characters are characters you've seen, even if you don't know none of their names. But the two of them are full on like attacking Adam, like take him down style. And he does pretty good against them. I mean, he manages to blow up Hubzibba's. Um, transport, and so she comes flying off, and he manages to disarm uh, Raza, and, like, their whole... The whole deal is that Longknife is is really awesome with a sword. Like, that's his whole thing. He's a space pirate, and he's one of the best fighters in, in the universe with a sword. And Adam manages to basically defeat both of them, sort of. I mean, he doesn't stop them, because he basically flees into the cornfield. And while he's running, he adjusts his gloves, and he puts his spikes out. He turns around to come after him, and he's like, yeah, yeah. And as this whole thing's going on, the two of them are shaking him down, asking him questions, and, like, coming after him. He's like, the bounty's said to take you dead or alive, boy. And then he turns to him, and he says, well, any, any, the only choice, pirate, is if I leave, and you're dead or alive. 
and he basically jumps at them and he takes takes them both out, cuts cuts them both up pretty good. And they well, introduce. He, he was just getting ready to kill both of them. Oh yeah, he was going to kill both of them. Yeah, that's what he was saying. He was going to boil their blood. Right. And so, like Cyclops and Havoc basically saved them from him because Adam was going to kill them. Mm. And of course, initially, Adam is like kind of on the defensive, and they introduce who they are and explain what's going on. And uh, the Star Jammers, they're basically there trying to fill a bounty, and they do pull their guns on the three of them again. Like after they sort of chill Adam out for a second. Right after that, Adam disappears in the cornfield and comes back with his power fully raging, which heightens his strength, heightens his ability, but also kind of makes him not mentally entirely in control of himself. And it turns into a full-on brawl with all of them. It's like he's going after everybody. The Star Jammers are shooting at him, Scott's shooting at him, Havoc's shooting at him. And he winds up cutting each one of them one time. And part of his power, once he's cut you, the cuts allow him to boil your blood inside your body, which is what he was going to do to the Star Jammers before having and Cyclops showed up. That's one of his abilities, is to basically cook your blood inside, which is a crazy power. But he cuts each one of them, and he starts using his power, and it sort of starts hurting the Star Jammers, but it doesn't hurt Scott or Havoc literally at all. And both of them are kind of stunned for a second, and uh, that includes Adam. And so Havoc and Cyclops both open up on him full bore, and it does nothing to him either, which is not a normal thing to happen at literally at all. As they're all trying to figure out what the heck is going on, like, who are you? How is it? How is this even possible? Well, that's when the uh, Starjammer ship sort of lands, and the door opens up, and we are joined by Corsier, who is the father to both Scott and Havoc. Presumably Adam? I mean... At the end of it, Corsair basically takes them all hostage and he shoots. Looks like he shoots um, Adam, but of course that part happens in a flash at the very end, so it's hard to say who he really shot. Well, well, Corsair says, "Say hello to your brother," and that's when he and they say then he says, "Say goodbye," and that's when he shoots him. And and he's surprised that like Corsair is their dad, right? Well, whatever. He's like father, and then like and then he's like, "Oh yes, hey boys, say hello to your brother." And he's like. What? And then he's like, and say goodbye, and then, like, the, the book ends. Right. With Corsair shooting the, uh, shooting his gun, but, I mean, as far as his shot, I guess we'll, issue two will tell us who he actually shot at. But, yeah, the whole unfolding of that, basically, Corsair tells him that this is their brother somehow, and as a thing, since neither one of them remember him, and this is the first we've ever heard of him being connected, we already know from stories that happen in the future about Vulcan, and Vulcan was the mystical third Summers brother. Well, it turns out that it's quite possible that, from what this is telling us, that there's four of them, um, which is also pretty crazy. It was really there, there was rumors for years that a Gambit was the yeah. It was a super big mystery because there's a, there's an issue back oh gosh I don't know somewhere in the nineties where Cyclops is talking to, or Cyclops is talking to Mister Sinister, and Mister Sinister says something about the Summers brothers and like he says it in a plural, and Scott even says in the book like. I only have one brother, that's weird. And then we never came back to it. So, like, it was a big mystery for the longest time in the 90s. Like, who's this other brother? Who could it possibly be? And so, like, fan theories were Gambit. Um, there was somebody else that people thought, too, before Vulcan even became a thing. But, like, Gambit was the fan favorite to be, like, the brother, because his powers made the most sense and they were similar. At this point, that's never been revealed. I mean, I guess it could still be a thing. But we've never had them ever try to shoot him. So, as a thing... I feel like there's been some times when, like, energies have crossed and, like, it hasn't been a thing, but... I don't know. 
Yeah, I, I don't remember one particularly, but that was the fan favorite, was it was going to be Gambit. And then eventually we got the story about the uh, the island, the Krakoa Island, and the other X-Men team before this team of X-Men. So, like, Professor X's original group before the original group that he had mind-wiped them to forget about. When Vulcan came about? Yes, and that's where Vulcan showed up and was revealed to be the brother. Like, back in, oh gosh, I don't know, 98 maybe? I don't remember when that happened. It was before 2000. Uh, no. No? You think it was more recent than that? Yeah, Vulcan's first appearance is way later. Yeah, I don't remember what year it was. Time-wise, it hasn't been that long. I mean, maybe the last 11 years. You want to look that up and figure that out? I'll look it up, but yeah. Yeah, as far as like a thing, this whole thing with Adam being related to them, it's new content entirely. So, I mean, it's pretty cool. It's an interesting idea. And like the idea of the way his powers work is pretty cool. But yeah, as far as like what's going to turn out, at least from the threads online, the people are saying that he's a half brother, and I think the next issue will explain more of that because his whole flashbacks as a from him being a baby don't show a mother at all. They oh, show six. him. Is that when it happened for Vulcan? So two thousand six. So it hasn't been that long in comic book world. That's really not that much time. But like as a thing, all the flashbacks of him as a kid looked like he was cryogrown until he was broken out and taken by the Shi'ar guy. So. As a thing, if Vulcan's, if Adam's dad is also Corsier, it's possible there's no mother, I guess? Maybe? And it's like a Peachtree Dish X23 kind of thing? I don't necessarily remember if there was ever any talk of him having a mother at all. I mean, Extreme was not in the books a super long time. So, what I know about him from the past is fleeting. Probably more of a, uh, more of a Rob kind of question, because he read a lot more of the X-Men in that time frame than I did. I always thought he looked cool, but it's because he wore a ba- baseball cap backwards, and that was cool back then. I don't like it. <laughs> Makes sense, time, timeline He's annoying. Like, he doesn't like, he's like, I gotta cut you before I can boil your blood. I'm like, oh, oh. It's a 90s thing, 100%, dude. Yeah, but, let's see, score-wise, I mean, I give it, a, I don't know, some of the writing is a little rough. I like the idea... I, I like the idea. Sure. Um, Cable shows up. Cable looks badass like he does now. Oh, yeah. Less shoulder pads, which was... He, if this was written back then, he would have had more shoulder... Because Havoc and like Cyclops have their suits on, but Cyclo- or Cable does not have his 90s suit on. He's way less shoulder pads. Way, way less he, pockets. He has like the cod piece, like... Mid color section undies on, which look weird when they're drawn properly now. Back then it made more sense, but like now it doesn't make any sense at all. But like, ah, uh, I don't know. Like, it's a it's a rad idea if they if they follow on with like this as being a continuation of the the original. That's what's supposed to be. But then what happened to the original? Because they did continue on the original. Yeah, I'm going to say that what these are all going to be is insert stories. Because it looks like around issue three, at least the cover for issue three, looks like straight-up X-Factor colors, costume-wise, because it has Scott on the cover. I think it's Gene with him, but they're in their X-Factor clothes. So I kind of think this Legends book, what's really going to be is a bunch of stories that are inserts inside a little continuity with new material. Yeah, because you got... You got um Apocalypse on the front, Eric the Red in the background, kind of, but what's that big purple thing? Uh, the thing they're flying on, it's a Shi'ar ship. Uh, yeah, I know. It's weird. Yeah. 
That's that's weird to throw in there because you got Jubilee and then you got you do have the X the X Factor like oh yeah Jean Grey and well we got Ice Kitty, Man Kitty Pride's on the cover but this is all X Factor over here yeah Beast before he was blue yeah and then you got Angel but still Archangel Angel too so it covers like a mixed match of everything from that time frame really all right because yeah like Eric Rides at the very bottom and. It, you can only see the bottom part of his face mask, so. But that's just the one cover. I mean, the other cover was a group shot that is a connecting cover, and it straight up looks like the 90s uh, cartoon. So, the art's, of course, better, but it's the costumes from the cartoon. So once that thing's done, it's going to be a giant, like, four, four or five cover scene for the connected cover. But yeah, other than just pieces to try to show you, oh, this is old stuff. I think that's the only reason the cover is that way, because I don't think we'll see Jubilee anytime soon. I don't think we'll see Kitty Pride either, but... I mean, I could be wrong, because we do show up at the school for, like, two seconds, so... Well, I give it a two and a half. I'm, I'm, curious, to where, I'm curious to see where it goes, but, like, and I say that a lot, but, like, I'm also like, eh. Like, it's a cool idea, but Extreme is such a lame character, man. <laughs> it is a weird... Plays the pick. It literally is extreme. Yeah, I remember. Drink yeah. Mountain Dew, bro. This is the nineties, dude. That's, that's what people did. And like his name was written very extreme, also. Stupid. <laughs> He's like, I can boil your blood. Right? I can boil my own blood and make me faster. It's like that's not how that works. Wow. He's yeah. at one point in the book. He's just like, ah, I'm bringing the temperature of my own blood up to make me more. I'm like, that's not how that works. You're just giving yourself a fever, and then you die. <laughs> like, sorry, man. Like that's not how that works. Nineties rules, dude. Mm. Totally different thing. Mm-mm. So it depends. I guess it depends on how much of an X Men person you were back in the nineties. And then he's like, "I'm meditating in a cornfield, and my my dad sent me out with a shotgun to like tell you to leave." It's like a little kid. Yeah. So your dad sent dad some afraid. random little kid to go out and tell this guy to leave because he was meditating his field for two days. It's just like a farmer just sent his own son out there to be like, yeah, you go tell him to leave because I don't want to do it. It's like, hmm. I'm going to say because dad was afraid. So he sent his kid? I mean, I, that's the best I can give you because that's what happens. It's like, hey, CBS, touch that thing that's really hot and see if it's hot before I touch it. <laughs> I mean, I would say it probably would happen. Nah, dude. Just, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm in, I'm in the same spot, man. I don't know if I gave a score to it earlier or not, but yeah, two and a half makes sense. I mean, the art's really fun. Red looks good. And, like, the, the classic looks is really cool. It's a thing that's a hallmark of the 90s. Like, Fabian Nassisa, like, he's, he's a 90s writer. So, like, this all fits that way. If this book was to come out back then, it would just, I think it would have fit. I want to say, uh, Fabian Nassisa, if I remember right, he's the, he's the dude that co-created Deadpool, right? Yeah. Him and uh, Rob Layfield, and then he writes. I think you were telling me this earlier. He wrote part of the. Uh, didn't he start writing the New Mutants at the end of it? Like with that whole Rob Layfield run when X Force started. They wrote together, and he took over after Layfield stopped, and then he took over X Men as well. He's um, he was part of Excuse for Song, Phalanx, Covenant, and Age of Apocalypse. He also did. It's like those cross big crossover books. Yeah, I think he did like New Warriors too. Probably. But. I didn't read a lot of New Warriors back in the day, but... Yeah, so, like, as a thing, I mean, this is the same dude that was doing the stories when this supposedly... Well, the way it was supposed to fit, it's the same writer, so, like... Well, somebody give you a chance to be like, 
hey, do that thing in the old days when you were part of it, but like go in and tell some stories that you wanted to tell you never had a chance to. That'd be neat. Yeah, pretty cool. I just hate the idea of extremist character. Right. Well, he's from the same time frame, like Shatterstar and all those guys, those dudes made that at that time, that was really cool. It's imagine how you feel about um, Franco as Mountain Dew Green Goblin. He's extreme. That's how I feel about <laughs> the little extreme. That's why I call him the extreme goblin when I, when I talk about that third movie. You call the Mountain Dew Goblin to me. Mountain Dew Goblin, yeah, that's right. Mountain Dew Goblin, because he's extreme, that's what I say. The Mountain Dew Goblin, because he's extreme. <laughs> Stupid, look like snowboarder. Anyway, yeah, Spider-Man 3, everybody. Cool. Uh, is that it for X-Men Legends for now? Yep. All right. Let's move on to uh, the second story we're going to do in the uh, Superman Worlds of War. Uh, the uh, Future State stories. We're going to the- <gasps> do the Midnighter. Future State, is that right? Yep. Okay. Want to tell me a story about Midnighter? So, um, Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad are the writers, and Glev Melnikov are the artists. And um starts out with, like, what looks like Midnighter, just vomiting blood, basically. Yeah, he's pretty beat up. I mean, it's just, like, pouring out of his mouth oh, yeah. ridiculously. And if that's just poor writing, if it's supposed to be just dripping out, that's, that's poor art. <laughs> art decision. But, like, because, like, nobody just pours, like, a waterfall of blood on the mouth. So, I was already disappointed at the art from page one. I was like, ah, here we go. But, um, the writing was decent. And it says, go ahead and do it. You're only killing a man. Because it's Midnighter. And so, uh, they're on War World sometime tomorrow. And, uh, it's Midnighter, which is, like, He's slowly become less and less like Batman, but initially when he was first created, he was like... A more big. hardcore Batman, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, this is going to be interesting. If the Band of Tomorrow can't get out of here, then how the hell am I supposed to get get in? And once I do, what, what, what the hell is that? And then he shoots this thing, and a box falls, and it says, delivery for Midnighter from your best friend. He's like, ah, I don't remember having many friends. And then this thing's like, hello, can you hear me? And the voice is familiar, but too digitized to identify. He's like, who is this? He's like, no time to explain. John Solutions is developing an isotope similar to kryptonite to eradicate all life Superman first. So the the voice is breaking up the whole time he's talking. So the thing that, like, this little thing that, like, fell from, like, this drone is, like, saying, giving him info. Right. Just so people knew you weren't having, like, a stroke or something. I was getting there. I know. <laughs> I don't interrupt you when you're talking. Keep going. You're Golly. good. You're good. You're good. Golly, Jim. <laughs> um, and he's like, who is this? He's like, no time to explain. Um, your job is to deliver the payload to the, to the collider. I've uploaded coordinates to the PDA. He's like, you know, I don't normally take orders from mystery boxes. Just not my thing. He's like, look. Do you want to save all life in the galaxy or not? I was like, and then it's midnight. You're thinking to yourself, like, my supercomputer isn't pinging on any deception, whatever. It, eh, man, I guess it is legit. It's like, well, best friend in quotations. Guess we're going to going to space. On this little watch thing he's wearing, which is what it is that he puts on. That so I was talking to him. Says, I'll help you once you get yourself up there. And then midnight says, door. And he's like, no time like the present. He's like, don't use the. And when he d- he comes through like some sort of 
So the way that if you never in, run into Midnighter before, or the uh, or the uh, oh gosh, the Authority, the way they travel quickly. So kind of how like Cable has the slide by one, and it basically opens up a portal and goes through it. It's the same thing, except they open a door. The machine, which is another character from the Authority, back on the ship they used to fly around, will open these doorways to different places and. He's basically having a magic door open. That's what he's doing. Uh, Deadpool used to have a very similar thing. So when Cable does his slide by one, well, this is DC, it's the same. So this is DC. Yeah, yeah, it's the same effect though. Like it's exactly the same thing. So when Midnighter says door, it opens the door wherever he's trying to go. So it's like part of the super technology from their ship. Well, this thing says your teleportation door won't work inside the chrysalis. He's like, sheesh! You could have told me that sooner. This is the dramatic entrance. I was hoping for. He's like, well. You used the door, didn't you? Never mind. Just, there's an airlock right below you, and he's like, he's on the tip of this massive ship thing. He's like, And the thing says, you should make it. And he thinks to himself, remind me to have words with whoever's on the other end of this thing. And they say, open the airlock, well, a silent alarm, you'll have to recover, I suggest you make the most of it. And as it sucks him in, some cyborg-looking dude show up, and, uh, and he's like, I hope you took your protein pills, Major Tom, because I'm about to crush this tin can. Like, he's being all tough guy, which I think is hilarious, because, like... The, the verbiage is funny. They're like, seize him! And he just, he does midnight or stuff and just ruins their day and, like, shoots them and crushes them. And, like, the the action and the art part of this is, it, I don't think it's that good. Like, that uh, that's going to be, that's going to be my one... As as we go, because it's a it's a short story, and we're at the we're at the, we're at the end. Like this is kind of like, like eh, but I like the story. So he's like he's like, don't tell me what to do, and he's like crushing and killing these guys. And next thing you know, he's just like, hey, what's up? Uh, he's like, you can be quiet for once. There's 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 or something wrong. It's like it's your supercomputer blinking off and offline. He's like, how did you know that? He's like, Midnighter, welcome to Chrysalis. It's like this like shadowed figure. He's talking to him. He's like, my apologies for the mess. We weren't sure who had breached our labs. Can't be too careful. We over aptly named Warworld, after all. And Midnight's like, I'm sorry to know. And like, this thing's talking to him. And he's just like, shoots it. She shoots the computer. He's like, yeah, we're halting production. I've got all reasons I need to shut down this operation. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, these like really bizarre looking mutant things come out. And he's like, oh, hey, I, did, I didn't see all there. I was just fixing the TV. <laughs> and they're and they're like real messed up looking like their necks just go like it got to me it's making fun of Layfield style like neck just goes straight into the head and like but then there's teeth and like cyborg it's like it's kind of oh yeah they're definitely messy looking things like think of the and they're and they're whooping him up and he's just like doing his thing and all of a sudden he's just like oh yeah you can't trust your CPU but you can trust me the he's like the this the thing talking to him he's like grab the cable and he grabs it and pulls it. And both their like guys' heads just like fly off. I was like, uh, they they do they're super jacked too. Like they're cables hanging out of their heads and necks and stuff. Like the way these it's like the very first guys were like I don't know normal sentry dudes, like buff dudes that would be watching a hallway or an entry to a base. These other ones are like super mutants. Like well, at one point he's like carrying a head by the hair and the eyes oh, yeah. are still open. Well, after he tears out the cable, yeah, it's pretty. And yeah. it's just like, last words, like, oh, oh, we'll bow, but, and he's like, ah, one second, I don't care, and he, like, crushes it, and 
This thing's still talking to him. He's like, just upload a map of where you want me to, to drop this payload, and next time some killer robots are going to wipe the floor with me, um, maybe just give me a heads up. And he's running along. And uh, he's like, I thought we were besties. You're going to let a bad connection get in the way of our beautiful friendship? Because the thing's like kind of like glitching out. Yeah, the watch that's talking to him just keeps like cutting in and out. And something's affecting his seat. He has a computer in his brain. As part of Midnighter's other steez that makes him not just Batman. He has a computer that constantly feeds him data from his entire surrounding area. So, like, think about being able to use your brain like a supercomputer. Normally, he's fed all this information, which is what makes him such a crazy, amazing fighter. And he's got some sort of healing factor. He does. He has a healing factor also. But anyway, he's, like, just blown through people. And he's like, give me a sec, I can handle something, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, hopefully I can still heal. And these things are, like, attacking him. He's like, give a boy a hammer and he'll he'll find everything and he that needs a pounding and he's just like just whooping things up and then all of a sudden like it's doing a it's showing what's going on inside of this chrysalis core thing and success success we produced the neurodium from the slag aging in a millennia in mere moments and this person is like good good work is the collider ready to begin mass production is like at your command like it's brilliant, isn't it? And they're like, sir, shouldn't you, in addition to behaving in a fashion similar to the previous neurodium samples, we expect it will serve your purpose in any number of other unexpected ways. And then this person says, imagine this little stone has the power to end all suffering, starting with our new friend. And then he goes back to the Niner, and he's just still murdering people. Like, guards and things. Right. And Crazy monsters are trying to attack him. And then he climbs into a vent. And as he's climbing through, he's like, I was supposed to be helping out Superman. And Mr. Merkel's probably got his tenders in a twist wondering where I've gone. And he's talking to the robot thing. And he's like, Mr. Merkel can go himself. He's like, I think it's time you told me who you are. He's like, you'll find that soon enough. And trust me, you are helping Superman. Turn left and head. And he's like, how do you know this? Because I've seen it happen first. We'll go after the most powerful. Then he comes out and he's like, copy that. And he's like, I didn't realize how much I rely on that damn computer. Taking care of those guards should be easy. At least I still heal quickly. And then things still take him. I'm going to turn right here. And then as he comes out, like, there's these massive guys with like gallon guns on their bellies. And there's like this gigantic gorilla looking robot. I don't know. Insane. The person that's running the show, finally, you see his, his mouth and he smiles. He said, let, let, let's let the dogs of war. And these things start shooting into the where Midnighter supposedly is. And they're like, target neutralize, I've always wanted to say that. And then all of a sudden, Midnighter comes out and just murders, like, the Gatlin gun belly guys. At the very, very end of it, like, there's shooting going on, and it's like, and now Trojan or whatever it is you call yourself, time to, and it's like, no. And then it's just like, it shows Apollo. Yep. Which is like, He's like, oh, oh dear, were you expecting someone else? Which is crazy, because it's like, I don't know if... I don't know well enough, because I'm not up to date, but when's the last time we saw Apollo in the DCU? Um, and so, they- like, Midnighter was part of, like, a lot of the Batman stuff going on, but, like, he was... Wasn't he bodyguard for... Who are we talking about? Bat- Night- Mid- Midnighter? Midnighter. No, the last time we saw both of them in anything was uh, in a series called Stormwatch, that happened at the very beginning of New 52. 
So New 52, when it started, we took the name Stormwatchers came from a different book, and we basically took the authority from the old image days that moved over with Wildstorm to DC, and added Martian Manhunter. And the series ran forward for maybe 12 issues, 12 or 18, somewhere in there, because it didn't last the full 52 that a bunch of other books lasted. And as the thing, like, if you knew who the authority was, the book was okay. But if you, if you showed up being like, oh, I'm here to read Martian Manhunter, the authority were characters you weren't exposed to before. So they, the book was, wasn't written for you. It was written for people that knew the authority and Martian Manhunter was the new deal. Anyhow, the last time we saw both of them was doing that. And yeah, prior to whatever's happened in this time frame in the future, Apollo and Midnighter were husbands. Mm-hmm. And they have a daughter, Jenny, which I think that's still part of regular continuity, but I guess I don't know that. Because New 52, I don't remember if we ever saw the daughter or not. But yeah, it's, uh, I mean, Apollo is basically Superman with blonde hair, and he's willing to melt your face. It's the main difference. Other than that, power-wise, he's basically the same deal. I mean, he's super strong. Yeah, kind of, or sentry, or like, he's just a super strong, super powerful, like, Apollo, basically, like, the sun god kind of thing. Like, that's where he's based off of, like, yeah, I mean. It's pretty crazy, because before this, I don't remember there ever being a point where the two of them were not, like, a team, really. And it's been a while since we've seen either one of them by themselves, really. I mean, Midnighters have a couple miniseries, but I feel like most of those were prior to New 52. And I think, from what I remember, there was one other miniseries that happened that was a Midnighter miniseries. I don't think it was in Rebirth. I think it was maybe somewhere during the middle of New 52. I, I didn't ever read it, so I don't really know what happened in it. But the last time I, I'm sure that we saw the two of them together was in that Stormwatch book. And like I said, it only ran maybe maybe 18 issues, so it's been a while. And neither one of them fit in regular like event stories, usually. The only one that really shakes out of that stuff from the Wildstorm days is Grifter. And he's not connected to either one of them because he was a totally different sect. The Wildcat. So that, yeah. came from, that came from even image stuff. Yeah, well, so did this. I mean, the, the mm. Authorities was an image book. Original, like, Wildcats was original image. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, back in the day, like, when it started. Yeah, yeah. Way older than the Authority was. Authority's way later. Yeah. As far as age of books, yeah, Authority's way newer as a concept. Had a lot of series, but, it, yeah, between the two things, Wildcats is way more old school. But, yeah, it's pretty crazy to reveal. It's like, oh, here's your the dude that was your husband, and he looks like he wants to murder you. He's good at murdering, so that's crazy. So it's a cool reveal. Uh, you got a score for that part of the book, Josh? Uh, this is a tough one. Because, like, I like the story. I like where they're going with it. But I didn't like the art and the flow at all. So it was really tough, and I'm, it's going to be a lower score than it seems. So I want to give this a one and a half. Because, like, I was very disappointed in the flow of the book. Like, when you read it, like, more than once, you get where the flow is going because you know what's going on. But, like, the art itself doesn't flow as Midnight is just ruining people, which is neat. It doesn't show it enough to where it's just, like, you're not sure what's going on. And even in the last scene, it almost, I, you had to, like, look at it two or three times to wonder if, like, Apollo hurt Midnighter, and so he's standing there bleeding. But then as you read it again and see it again, you realize it's just like Midnighter's knuckles from murdering people, like with his knuckles. So it's right. like, it's just not the art in it 
takes away from how good the, the story could have been. And that bothers me because I like Midnighter as a character. I like the idea of what they're doing. But it's it's weird because it's like, you know, Apollo is on this ship that's, you know, orbiting Warworld. And what does he have to do with Mongol? And it's just like, you know, Midnighter's there to be supposed to be helping Superman. But they're both... You know, Apollo, if he, if, if he is who he says he is, I don't know the depths of Apollo, but like, technically he should be powered by the sun as well, so technically he shouldn't be super powered. Well, the, the thing they're making, I don't know this for sure, I'd have to go back and read. But they're making a, uh. The Necronium? Yeah. Which isn't that the same thing that Brainwave, or Brain, yeah, Brainwave was using on Supergirl to make her all angsty and crazy? Is that not the same thing? Back in the Superman of Metropolis number one? I don't remember, dude. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look. Um, I didn't do that prior to the show. My brain thought about it, and then I didn't remember to do it. So that might be the same thing that they're making that was being used to affect her. It might not be. Uh, again, I don't know exactly what they were doing with the thing they're making. But yeah, how they all sort of stitched together. Because like the Mr. Miracle story between theirs two, we actually see Midnighter go in and out of that story. Like he blips in his, and out. Yeah, to his own story. He's like, hey, do this. Oh, by the way, okay, I'll see you later. Yeah, like straight up runs through it. So, like, they connect in a an interesting, like, It's way. going on the same exact time. Right. And, like, I'll give you, with the art, when it first opened up and he went through the door, initially I didn't understand he was outside the ship. He's on the front of that spire that's, like, the top of the ship or something, but he's outside in space. After two or three go-throughs is when I realized that's what was happening and why he needed to get into the airlock. Because he was outside of the ship in space. So I'll give you, there's some of the art in there that tracks weird. Or tracks in a way that's hard to... Yeah. I mean, score-wise, yeah, I give it a one and a half, too. I'm in the same place. Like, the story's interesting. And, like, the way it's kind of supposed to affect the other stories is cool. And, like, the idea of, like, if it's Midnight versus Apollo, that's crazy. Okay. And, like, what Apollo's doing there at all is interesting. So, like, being the book that it's in as a giant size issue, I think the reason it's in there is because of the pacing for it, and because this book by itself wouldn't be quite as strong. But the writing is interesting, and, like, what's happening is cool. It's just... Yeah, I just... It moves weird. It's, it's, a, good, it's a good idea. It's a cool idea. And even as a standalone book, it would have been fine if it would have just been written right, I, yeah, or, or and drawn right. Like I just, I think that the flow of it's funky, right? Because like the first picture is basically like it's him standing in front of Apollo. That's and that's what made me think that like is he dying? But then like, but he's not though. Like he just whooped all those dudes. So like in this one, in the very first scene of the book, looks like in the story, up. it looks like he's like just got rocked. I kind of wonder if the second part will have something more to do with that particular image. But the way it ends and the way it starts is like we start at the, the end of the story, but at the end of the story, nothing's happened to him yet. But see, right here... Yep. His jacket's on and everything. Yeah, he's still like just like rocking it, and then he's like... And then his hand's bloody, so it's just like... Right. In the very first scene, he doesn't It's have just the on. flow, so I'm just like... Uh, yeah. I just... And the flow of blood coming out of the mouth was like, not well done. <laughs> Depending on what the next storyline does for this particular piece, I feel like that might seem up better. And if the second well, half of it is the first I will, time. I will drastically change my rating on the next book 
if it's done right. I will say that. Yeah. But from, the, from this alone, very, it was disappointed. It's a cool idea and it's a cool story. I give the story a higher rating by itself sure. as a writing, but like the art takes it down. I'm disappointed in, the, in that fact. So. Yeah. Well, when we move between this whole book, like we have four different art styles in it, and two of them are awesome, and the other two are just okay. Well, I I often go if the story is really good, and the art or the art's bad, or vice versa. I will say that I'll say the art's a five, but the story's a one. Sure. Or vice, you know, I'll say that I I break it down and I, over the years. I mean, you and me, you and me have been on a solid, solid haul of like I don't know, fifty episodes, like pretty oh, much for the podcast, sure, pretty much without anybody else. But like in the old days before I was a part of it, I don't know what you guys did, but like all like to me, like those are both different, very separate things. So when you're getting one score for a book, but this the difference between this book and other books is that we're dealing with four distinct different stories. Because the Superman story is in the same book. Well, yeah, so. I, but I'm but I'm giving the story specifically a rating, sure. not 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 the whole book. Yeah, no, that's what we're doing, breaking them down to separate stories, even though they're in the same book. They're separate. And stories. the other two stories in it, like the reason we didn't do all four is because it's like it's worth a pickup, and the other two are oh, sure, yeah, really cool stories. So if you haven't had a chance to pick up Superman: Worlds of War, pick it up. It's a really cool book. Like it's there's a lot going on. It's worth a read in it. Like it's the go back, like the re the re readability of it is really cool too because it's like there's a lot going on and it's really neat. Like it's it's a really neat thing. So it's basically like four things going on all at once, but not all at once. It's kind of it's cool. And it's a I know it's an eight buck dollar book, seven ninety nine book, but like there's a lot of content. oh yeah, material wise, there's a lot, a lot of content, yeah, which is cool. So like we even mentioned the Black Racer and the art, and it's great. Yeah, and the and the, the Mister Miracle, which is like not the coolest Mister Miracle, but like. It's, it's pretty good. It's still a cool story. Yeah, so. it's pretty good. Right on. Well, that's in the books. Uh, what'd you learn today, Josh? I don't really learn anymore. We, we talk about <laughs> this every week, man. <laughs> you, th- you think you'd be on par with it? The Fabian de Caesar wrote New Mutants. Or no, I, I learned. I learned that I think that my temporary roommate might be a communist. Is that a thing? <laughs> I mean, that is something that happened today. So yes, <laughs> man. <laughs> that's yeah. That's pretty good. Oh, uh, what did I learn today, then? What did you learn today? That he doesn't like USA women's soccer, I guess. You're just like, wait, wait a minute, I don't understand what's going on it's here. It's like we got the same lesson. So, no, no, what you learned today was like, hey, hey, I don't understand what's going on here, so nobody's making macaroni and cheese? Oh, that's true. So what you learned today was like, no, nobody's making macaroni and cheese. All right. That's that's good enough. Uh, you got any books to watch, Josh? I'm still a big fan of Strange Academy stuff. I don't know when that's going to end. I heard rumors of an ending soon. Maybe I don't. I Maybe don't, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see, but it's really cool. Um, all this future state stuff's really fun. Big fan of it. Uh, other than that, man, I'm just kind of yeah. Cool. Um, we'll get a couple new ones to throw at you. I don't know if I mentioned them last week because my brain doesn't remember what we talked about last week, which is weird. Um, so they're going to be doing a Robin book that is being written by Joshua Williamson, which is Damien. Damien, yeah. So I think that thing will be really cool. A couple of test pages came out for it, and the art looks neat. So I think that's cool. I mean, I did. I guess I did mention a couple of these. I think I mentioned the Dark Detective last week, too, the miniseries with Batman. That has been retitled. It is no longer Dark Detective. Now it is Batman the Detective. Um, but as far as writer work, it's all the same. They just rebranded the book, I guess, for right. some reason. But it's all Future State stuff, right? No, no. These are after Future State. So the Robin book is picking up in, I think... 
Dark Detective April. Dark Detective, different thing. So Dark Detective, that might be why they renamed it. So Dark Detective Future State was a Future State book, four-part. Um, issue four comes out next week, time-wise. Um, the other book was a six-part miniseries that was originally named Dark Knight. And it was Batman's course to come out of Gotham to Europe to deal with a villain. who's supposed to be a new villain. And we're supposed to get a couple of new sidekicks, I guess, too. So character first appearances, there'd be a couple of them in these books. But while he's dealing with this problem, it's over in Europe. So he's not in Gotham at all. That one has been rebranded from Dark Knight, which is what it was originally titled, to now Batman the the Detective, is what the full name of the book is. So they changed branding on it, maybe because of the Future State thing, I guess? Hmm. Because they're kind of, the titles were similar. I mean, Dark Detective and Dark Knight, especially when we're talking about Batman, I I could see that being confusing. But I don't know a real reason for the name change. I just know that it did. Um, something else is kind of cool, depending on how you feel about the uh, Snyder Cut idea. There is going to be three different covers that are variants for issue 59 of Justice League that are Snyder Cut variants. So uh, if you haven't seen those yet, I mean, Google it. You can find them. Uh, I want to say the order cutoff for them, I want to say, is maybe next Wednesday. Which, again, is time sensitive, so depending on when you listen to this, it doesn't matter. As a thing at all. Um, but yeah, Noctara still looks awesome. Um, it's the book from uh, Image that Scott Snyder is going to be writing, and uh, it's being drawn by Tony Daniels. Um, that thing looks freaking great. The more we find out about it, the more cool I think it is. So I think that one would be a good one to watch for. As far as like other stories, we're getting back to normal Batman here in March, and I think that Robin book will be really cool just because Joshua Williamson is so awesome. Like He's, he's a good writer. And I like Damien, so I think that'd be cool. I think that's all that's all I had, brain wise, at least for the moment. Anything else over there, Josh? Action figure wise, man, like just like the G.I. Joe Hasbro thing is still just extra disappointing. Sure. You know, it's still like I still don't understand it, but it is what it is. But like if you have a Cara Dune figure, um and you want to donate her to the show. Bring <laughs> my top five comics because I, I hear they're worthless now. We still like them. Of course, she's awesome. Um, Boss Fight Studios put out, put out Zorro finally and Flash Gordon, and then the Phantoms coming out, and they just released that they're going to do a Popeye line. Ooh, which That's, is cool. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's a three and three quarter inch line, the one eighteen scale. Um, it fits, but it doesn't even look it because it's cartoony. Well, Popeye's got a different look to him. But, like, he still fits the 118 scale, so... But they look really cool. They got Bluto, they got Olive Oil. Nice. You know, it's... It, um, but that, that company, man, just keeps kind of just... It's... it's If you're a collect... I mean, as a G.I. Joe fan, like a proper G.I. Joe fan, someone who just loved the G.I. Joe since he was a little kid, um, it's disappointing that G.I. Joe was, like, crap in the bed, based, so to speak, on what could be arguably the, the golden age of... Um, 118 scale collecting because there's there are there are so many cool companies that are doing so many cool things out there and like they all fit with that 118 scale and gi joe could just be taking advantage of it and they're not and it's a bummer because even their 112 scale like they're i mean i've i've always when 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 marvel legends has been a thing i've always been able to find marvel legends stuff no matter what and for some odd reason 
G.I. Joe stuff is just so minimally released, and maybe it's just where we're at. I don't know what the deal is. I don't understand what's going on, but it's just like, I haven't seen anything anywhere, man. It's just, it's frustrating because it's just like, if you want people to support your line, collect your line, then just release it. Like, put it out there, and it's... Sure. Yeah, the release line is really weird the way they're doing it. But, whatever, man. I, I don't understand it. But there's there's so many other cool companies that do 118th scale stuff and 112th scale stuff, like Boss Fight's doing, speaking of Boss Fight, um, they do have a 112th scale, that the Legend of Lucha Libre. Oh, yeah. And they look amazing. They do look really And cool. it's a lot of, like, interconnecting parts, like swapping and things like that, and, like, really cool, like, accessories and whatever. But, I mean, they still have their fantasy line, you know, they have their, like, like their Greek mythology line, and they have the, the, the heroes, the, their heroes line, yeah, which is like, you know, cool things like like the Phantom stuff is like the male Phantom, the female Phantom, the horses. They're integrating everything; they all go together. Like, you know, like the Flash Gordon stuff's gonna be like it's gonna be all the movie Flash Gordon stuff and all the comic Flash Gordon stuff. Like the Zorro thing is really cool because it's like different versions of Zorro and his horse. And again, the horse thing that they, they released the horses and, um, the mighty steeds is what they call it. And like, but they like, you know, like even in the fantasy line, they did a, an elk head that you put on the same body of, of the horse to like, so your elves can ride like elk steeds, which are really rad. Like that company is kind of like just the flagship. Literally but Acid Rain is still, yeah. Acid Rain has a, a bunch of new stuff coming out that's really, really cool. You know, Marauder Task Force. Um, is putting out some really cool things. They did a World War II series. They did like Germans, Russians, USA soldiers, British soldiers, all that stuff. They're all in there. Um, they're all interchangeable. It's just, there's so much. It's overwhelming because there's so many cool things. You know, it's, it really is. It's like, it's so cool. And there's so much of it, but it's like, it is all overwhelming to like tell everybody about everything that's going on. Sure. Yeah. Just kind of, you gotta, you gotta kind of pick your moment and go with it because it's like, it's just, a it, it's options. a it's a lot. So um, it's neat because it, this is the golden age of 118 collecting. Because like a lot of people who love GI Joes and Star Wars from the old days, they're like, let's start a company, and let's do this right, and they're doing some really cool things. And so, yeah, keep your eyes up. if you if you collect action figures, keep your eyes and ears open for those things. Like they're out there. Check out Bad Bad Toy Store. I mean, I mean, I know that's one of the big the big yeah big companies, but, but distributor wise, but like they usually have all the stuff. But um, a lot anything on here that we talk about, if you if you're not sure what we're talking about, um, shoot a message. Sure, and, like we'll get back to you. and I'll tell you what's going on. Like just check out the independent companies themselves because it's cool stuff. It yeah. really is. It it's so neat. There's so much neat stuff going on. And nothing else things to see. And depending which, if you have a shop local, there's a lot of that stuff starts that's coming to stores too. Like a lot of joy toy. One of the other ones that we've done reviews. Oh yeah, joy, to- joy toy is just insane. They started well. showing up with. Where normal comic book shops can order those guys. So, like, look up Joy Toy. They're awesome. They're, yeah, they're just, just as, just as amazing. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. So, and they're all customizable with one another. It's weird. They all kind of, can kind of work with one another. Right. Parts that are swappable between, which is between, cool. between companies and figures, which is awesome. So, if you like to customize things, lots of options. All right, man. Uh, Instagram, you can find the stuff that I draw at Top 5 Comics CBS. I'm on Instagram. Josh, you can find you at? Wendell24, W-I-N-D-L-E-24. Right, right. And uh, you look up all of our stuff for podcasts and shows and videos and stuff if you go to top5comicspodcast.com. 
There's links in there for all the different video nonsense we do and podcast nonsense we do. Uh, we've got this show, of course. Then we have Never Been Done Podcast. Uh, action Figure Deconstruction, which we haven't done one in a while, but the old ones can get played. And you can play them forever. It's on YouTube. And then our buddy Scovillionaires do hot sauce reviews. So if you like hot sauce, check them out. Because they use followers too, you know. I think that's it. That's it, man. It's going to be a couple weeks. Oh, for shows? Yeah, well, I mean, we've had a couple on-off ones just because of things in the world, so... We've been pretty decent, but I'm going to be out of town, so we're going to be, right. like, we're going to be a week out, and I'll be gone next week. So, we'll be, it'll be, like, a two-week out, so we'll take a little bit of a break. So, if, if you're jonesing for some, like, content, go listen to, you know, go watch some action period construction stuff, or, you know, check out Never Been Done if you like movies, because um, we are getting on that show... We're getting close to our episode 100 extravaganza, which is we're going to do Steven Spielberg on that. So, um, it's a little racy, a little more ridiculous, but it's still like, there's still a lot to it. But we're going to do, um, a 100 101 episodes, uh, double with, uh, Steven Spielberg. But before that, we have a, another episode. I'm not sure what we're going to do. So, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. So, so check that out. But what, you know, we're getting close to a milestone on this one too. Cause, you know, like, uh, Getting closer to 200. So. Well, one, 175. 175 is always a big one in comics, for is what I'm is. saying. That's so, like, true. So that's I was saying that, like, court, the court, the quarter century, like, or, or quarter centennial is what you call, I guess, would, or, or try, anyway, anyway, whatever, you know. <laughs> right. Usually it's a double-sized episode in the comic books. So, yeah, we'll see. So, we're getting there, we're, we're doing things, so, um, just go listen, rate, support, comment, whatever you do. Um, there's a lot of downtime people's lives when you guys just need to listen to things that like get you through just the craziness. And so hopefully that we do that. Sure. Try hopefully. to, um, if you, you always have, go back and listen to old episodes too, cause they're on the automatic site. So yeah, listen to all the old ones too. Just check it out. Like if you haven't watched WandaVision, listen to that or go watch that and then like listen to our episode on it. And then we'll probably do an end of the season one. We did one halfway through. Yeah, I would think, like, think by then it's probably be a good time to do some more because some, some of our questions will be answered. Because it gets crazier and crazier as time oh, yeah. goes on. I don't want to like ruin it. Man, it's, it's crazy. It's good stuff. It's good times. I know that there's a lot of rumors of bad things happening, but there's also, you know, like potentially DC shutting down, which is all rumors. Like there's no actual factual stuff, but like we get to a point where like there's like a lot of cool things happening for fans as well, though. Like, you know, like we're, you know, things that we've loved since we were kids are like becoming massive gigantic TV shows and you know action figures and statues and stories and this and that whatever like there's so many things going on with everything novels you know like it's it's a good time to be a fan because there's so much cool things happening right so just like if if you know if you're ever just disgruntled with everything going on take a step back take a deep breath and realize hey when I was nine years old all we had is one single comic book and now we have like a million forms of media that are telling us, uh, telling different stories of the same characters, which is really awesome. Sure. Different avenues or different flavors, yeah. Right on, man. Alright. It's a key? No. Come on, dude. It's a key? <laughs> go, go, Power Rangers. It's not the same.